So we are continuing in our journey through Acts, and we left the followers of Christ last week standing, looking at Christ ascended and not moving until an angel of the Lord said, hey, wake up, let's go, keep moving. He has given you a commandment, and that is to be his witnesses when you receive his power. And so we see the followers of Christ at the end of chapter one enter into a posture of waiting. Everybody's absolute favorite thing. We all love waiting, right? And they were waiting. They didn't know exactly how this power, how this spirit would come. They didn't know when, but they knew that they were to wait. And so that's kind of where we enter into chapter two here. And we're going to see the Spirit come onto this scene, into the followers of Christ for the first time. And as I looked at the first appearance of the Holy Spirit to the followers of Christ, I couldn't help but remember and think about ways that the Holy Spirit has moved in my life through Spirit-filled people. It makes me think about my, <clears throat> makes me think about my spirit my, my Spirit-filled mom who has always overflowed her wisdom into me. It makes me think about my spirit-filled father who exemplified what it was to serve others by the overflow of the spirit in his life. And then when I was in college, which I realized was like a week ago, I had an experience where I just encountered the spirit. I was a sophomore and I was in a place of just feeling isolated, feeling alone, feeling, feeling discouraged because um, I was just feeling like, man, why would you give an extrovert who has so much to say a speech impediment? That is so mean. And so I just thought, gosh, I have so much to say and I can't say it. And so I was just feeling so just discouraged. And so I, I was kind of going through this journey of just, I was frustrated. And so I was speaking with a, a mentor in, in Baton Rouge, and he brought up uh, Moses. So if you've, if you've ever grown up in the church, you know Moses is the poster boy for speech impediments, right? And so it was like, hey, God used Moses, and so he can use you. That's not how I read it. I had hardened my heart to the example of Moses and looked at him and said, all right, God used Moses. Must have been great for Moses. And we oftentimes hear testimonies from others and think, man, that's great that God used that broken person. Too bad I'm too broken, right? How many times have we looked at examples of people in scripture or examples of people in our lives and said, man, God did a mighty work through them, must be nice. And so that's kind of where I was. And so I was in this place where I was praying like, God, you gave Moses a burning bush moment while I don't need necessarily a bush, just give me something. And so I just give me something that will prove to me that you have a purpose um, just for my life. And so I went to work. I didn't know if it was like a month after I kind of started wrestling with it or um, how long after, but I went, I went to work at my on-campus job, and there was a cafe on the, on the first floor, and I went to go order a muffin, and I kind of 
And I kind of stumbled over my order, and so the person taking my order kind of smiled. I said, great, another person making fun of my speech impediment. This is going to be a good day. And, and then he said, you stutter too? And I said, obviously, <laughs> give me the muffin. And so, <laughs> and so then he rolls up his sleeve and flexes. I said, oh, good. The only other person I've met who stutters is a weirdo. And then I looked at his arm, and on his arm was tattooed a shrub on fire, and then under, and then, and then under it was a Hebrew text. And so I asked him what it said, and he proceeded to quote word for word um, Exodus, ch- Exodus chapter 4. I'm going to give you a slight paraphrase. Basically, Moses is having an argument with God, saying, God, you know I am not a strong speaker, so can you send somebody else? God gets a little feisty and says, who gave you that tongue? Who gave you that mouth? Who gave you, who, who will give you the words to say? That's right, it's me. So chill. And so, again, paraphrase. And so he had read the story and arrived not at the conclusion I did, but at the conclusion God had a purpose for Moses. God has a purpose for me. Not quite the burning bush moment I was expecting, but you know, it was it was it was right there. A few years later, I was uh, finishing up my time up at LSU, and um, I was making waffles with some friends of mine at about 10 at night, because that's what you do, and um, we were... We were speaking about our future plans and uh, what, what the Lord had called us to, and they were wrestling with a call to future ministry. They had accepted positions other places. They had, um, they had already, they had already uh, graduated. I was about two months out. And so I guess my responses in the course of the conversation indicated, hey, maybe ask Trey if he's ever prayed about going into the ministry. That was not my intention. And so they asked me, I said, no, I haven't, because I know what the answer is. It's no, heck no. And so um, I left that night having promised them I would pray about it. And so went home that night, threw up what um, I've called a, 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 a courtesy prayer, and basically said, um, Lord, I don't know what you have for me. I feel like it's this, this path, but if ministry is something that you might be calling me to, if you could just make that clear. And so Next day, go throughout, the, go throughout the full day that night, I got a call from a mentor friend, and um, he said, hey, have you ever prayed about going into the ministry? And I said, yes, once, last night. And I said, okay, all right, well, that was interesting. And so two days later, I get a call from Pastor Crosby who says, hey, have you ever prayed about going into the ministry? And I said, yes, three times over the past three days. And so then he said, let's meet, let's talk about it, let's kind of like pray through this together. And so through spirit-filled people in my life, the Lord spoke to a very hard-headed me. And I'm sure a lot of you have been spoken to by spirit-filled people and been changed. When the spirit fills people, big things happen. And so that's kind of what we see here happening with the early church. So if you will look with me at Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 13, 
we're going to look at this uh, passage here. Starting in verse 1. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And, and, and suddenly there came from heaven a, a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And d- divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. They were, all, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them, uh, gave them utterance. Now, there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, d- d- devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one of them was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished and astonished, saying, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language, Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And we were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others, mocking said, they are filled with new wine. So the first thing that we see here, right in verse 2, is that the Holy Spirit doesn't have a whole lot of regard for our own personal timetable, all right? Scripture is full of people learning lessons about God's timing, and the believers in this passage learned very quickly. It starts off with, suddenly, Even though the believers were in a posture of prayer and waiting, it still came, it still came suddenly. They didn't know when, they did not know how, they just knew that they were to receive this power. And so it came suddenly, not on their terms, but on God's terms. And so they were learning about God's timing. If anybody has ever read Ecclesiastes 3, there is a time for everything under the sun. That is either an incredibly encouraging verse or an extremely frustrating verse, depending on how you read it, right? You've probably heard it at a wedding or a funeral. There is a time for everything. That is either very freeing to know, hey, God has it. I don't have to worry about the timing of it because God has it. Or It's, oh my goodness, I have no control here. I need to know what time this will happen, this will happen, and I want to have some measure of control. So we went to camp this past week, and um, a lot of you have probably either been on the receiving end of this or the person speaking it, but one of the most common questions that we got all week long was, "Are are we there yet? What time will we be there? What time is lunch? What time is this over, and then what time is lunch? What time will this end, and then we'll go to this thing? And if we had a nickel for every time we had a time-related question, Emily and I would have upgraded to the iPhone 10 twice. And so it's a very natural human phenomenon. I know I'm picking on, this, on these students here, but we all struggle with it. We all like to have a measure of control and know what the timing of things 
are. And while we want to know a timetable, God wants us to be ready for his timetable. He wants us to be ready for him to work in his time. Look at the posture in chapter 1 of the followers of Christ. It says they were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. They were together, and they were in a posture of prayer. And they were ready, not for exactly when it would happen, but they were ready for the Spirit to move. When the Spirit moves, we typically respond a lot better when we are in a posture to receive. Um, Something that a lot of close friends and family know about me is that waking me up is not the most pleasant experience that you will ever have. I feel like I've gotten better as I've aged. My wife would probably argue with me there. But I feel like I just need a little bit of time before or when my eyes open before you ask me to balance an algebraic equation, okay? I'm just asking for a little bit of time before we solve some sort of complex issue from the time I wake up. Just give me a little bit of time there. And some people wake up ready, wide-eyed, help me have some sort of problem to solve, and that's great. But when when we are spiritually asleep, we are not ready for the Spirit to move. And it's going to take us a little bit of time. And so when, when the Spirit moves and we're spiritually asleep, it's going to take a little bit for us to get rolling. We may miss an opportunity. We might miss what the Spirit is calling us to do because we were not ready. And so don't let yourself get caught spiritually asleep. Spiritually wake up so that when the Spirit moves, you're ready to act. Second thing. Without the Holy Spirit, we don't really have any power. Jesus made it clear in chapter 1 that they would be his witnesses when they received his power, not not before. When the Spirit came, the people heard a sound like a mighty rushing wind. They saw tongues like fire come on each of these people as they were filled with the Spirit. The Holy Spirit will make its presence known, will make his presence known to us if we are paying attention. If we are spiritually awake, if we are ready to receive, when the Holy Spirit moves, we'll be ready. And so a lot of times we tend to rationalize the Spirit moving in our lives. We can explain it away. We can say, oh, I know I'm feeling this prompting, but you know, I think that's probably something else. It's probably a coincidence. It's probably just emotion, something like that. We can rationalize a lot of things away. And I think that's because this idea of an unseen force in our lives that is kind of a moral guidance that kind of helps you know right from wrong, that's not exclusive to followers of Christ, right? We've all seen the cartoon of an angel and a little devil having a little pros and cons argument. We've all seen Jiminy Cricket in his top hat and tuxedo telling us where to go right from wrong. But unlike a moral cricket, the Holy Spirit is the third part of an all-powerful triune God that we have to listen to when it speaks. And so when the Holy Spirit moves, we need to listen. And so don't rationalize the movement of the Holy Spirit. Move, act, listen. 
be ready. And so it would have been easy for the disciples to give their personal their personal testimonies in their own languages that they spoke, right? They could have gone outside, given their testimonies after following Jesus for three years, spoken of their own power, and maybe a few people who spoke their language would have responded. But instead, when the Spirit moved, they were able to communicate with all of these different languages that were poorly pronounced that I read earlier, and they were able to understand. It would be like as if I started speaking in any other language other than the broken English that you're hearing right now. Everybody would be like, oh, all right, and so everybody would be surprised. These people were surprised. They were astonished when the Spirit moved. They were moved by it because they understood, because the, because the followers of Christ waited for the Holy Spirit to fill them up. When the Holy Spirit fills us up and overflows into others, big things happen. Last thing, with, with the Holy Spirit, we're going to stand out. And I know I I said those words, and there were people in the room who were like, Ugh, standing out, being different. Nope, no, 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 no. Don't bring any attention onto me. I don't want it. Get it as far away as possible. And when the Holy Spirit moves, people mocked. They said they are filled with new wine. People were astonished. They were, they were astonished, they were perplexed, they understood what was, being, what was being said. If you look back at Genesis 11, we see people all speaking one language, filled with pride in their own accomplishments, and they, they make the choice to, hey, let's build this giant structure to the heavens because we want to make a name for ourselves for ourselves. And they're all speaking one language and they're working towards this prideful project. And God breaks that up by introducing the languages and the divisions that came with language barriers. And we have all experienced divisions because of language barrier. And so this act at Pentecost is almost an act of redemption. It's a cleansing. It's a renewing of this Act and it's basically opening up the truth of the gospel to all nations, regardless of what language they speak, what country they come from. It's not just for the Jews, it is for everyone. And we have all benefited from that because the Holy Spirit is for everyone. We benefit from that, and the Holy Spirit can move. Being a follower of Christ can be kind of weird. People notice. When you stand out, people are going to notice, all right? It's going to be a little weird. They, the followers that were filled up, everyone was like, okay, this is weird. They're speaking our languages. This is a strange, out-of-the-ordinary thing that is happening. And when the Holy Spirit moves, it will be a little bit weird. But when the Holy Spirit is truly moving in someone and they come in contact with it truly, they will respond in one of two ways. They'll say, oh man, this is, this is cool. I want to find out more. Or they will look at it and say, ooh, I don't know what they're drinking, but I need to get as far away from it as possible. Bye, see you later. It's been a nice chat. 
Now, a lot of times we can harden our hearts to the movement of the Holy Spirit and we walk out maybe with a lukewarm response. But when you are truly opening your yourself up to the movement of the Holy Spirit in your life, there's no lukewarm response. And so that's what was happening here. We see people rejecting it. We see people accepting it. And there may have been some people who said, oh, that's interesting, and then kept walking. I'm really not sure. But what I do know is that thousands were added to the number of Christians that day because the Holy Spirit moved. We are set apart. We are called to be weird. Now, what we are not called to be is weirdos, okay? All right, we don't want to be a weirdo, okay? Now, let me just break this out. So, we've got weird. We've got spirit-filled people letting the Holy Spirit work through them in, in the lives of other people through the overflow of the Spirit in their lives, okay? That's weird and that's good. All right. Then we have people who want to be the Holy Spirit in other people's lives and affect that change. And that's when we've crossed over into being a weirdo. Okay, We don't want to be a weirdo. We want to be weird, don't want to be a weirdo. Let the Holy Spirit fill you up, overflow out, and impact others. Don't try to be the Holy Spirit in someone else's life. We're all weird, okay? So weird has like a interesting connotations sometimes, but really when we all think about it, everybody in this room is a little bit weird in their own way, right? And as we find friends, it's like, hey, what weirdness complements my weirdness and do, does, do our two weirdnesses get along, okay? That's friendship, Okay, so then you go on a first date and you're holding up your weirdness against that person's weirdness and it's like, okay, could this work? All right, and then online dating is a more um, organized approach. You basically put it all up there and say, all right, weirdness, weirdness, compatible? No, okay, great, let's move on. And so then you can find that compatibility through weirdness there. If you look at eHarmony's website, one of the largest online, d- 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 online d- 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 dating websites, they have a quote from the, from the famous theologian, d- 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 Dr. Seuss, and it says, we are all a little weird, and life's a little weird, and when we find someone whose weirdness is compatible with ours, we join up with them and fall into mutual mutual weirdness and call it love. When the Holy Spirit speaks to somebody, it meets them where they're at. It meets them where they're at. It speaks their language. The Holy Spirit meets us where we are. It speaks our language and it moves if we let it move in our lives. There's a lot of examples of people being a little weird in Scripture and also in the church, right? We've got John the Baptist. He wore animal skins. He lived in the woods. He was a weird guy. He baptized Jesus, and he paved the way for Jesus to come. Weird, but good, right? Then we have our, our, our feeding ministries. We go out week after week after week after week. Even on holidays, we feed people no matter what. When there was a hard freeze, if we could have driven on the roads, we would have been out there. So we, 
sometimes have to hold people back for safety purposes because we go out week after week after week. That's pretty weird. When you think about foster care, inviting a stranger into your home because you love them unconditionally before you know who they are, that's pretty weird. When you think about any of our care effect, when you think about our women who go into the French Quarter week after week after week and minister to the ladies on, on Bourbon Street, that's weird but they're following the call of the Holy Spirit. Allison and Brett Barnhill, who we'll be partnering with in Zimbabwe, there it is. They gave up the luxuries of American culture to go love on people in a different continent. That's pretty weird, right? But they are following the call of the Holy Spirit. We have adults in our church who gave up vacation time to go on camp trips with the youth last week and with the kids this week or to go on a mission trip this week. That's not normal. That's pretty weird. But when the Holy Spirit moves in our lives, we need to get weird. (laughs) And so, You've all seen the slogan, uh, keep Austin weird, right? We identify with that here. Any sort of occasion that we have, you walk outside and it's like, okay, all right, we obviously embrace weirdness, but we don't just want to keep the weirdness. We want to get weirder. We want to grow in the Holy Spirit so much that, that it's spilling over into people Every single day, every single interaction that we have, we should be overflowing and oops, I just spilled some Jesus on you, sorry about that, right? That's a little weird, but it's good, it's what we're called to do. When your cup is overflowing, you're going to spill over into others and the Holy Spirit can work. It's not about us, it is about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit moves in awesome, awesome ways. The kids who went to camp this past week didn't experience any sort of change in their lives because of me, because of the speaker, because of the band, because of anything that anyone did. They experienced and encountered God because the Holy Spirit was moving in their lives. It's the same thing with the kids who are heading off to camp this week. The people who are going to the, to the women's prison they will not be heard, they will not be responded to because of their education level, vocabulary, qualifications, whatever. The, the Holy Spirit will be moving and working through them. This team that is going to Zimbabwe, we, we have no special skills that will radically bring people from death to life spiritually. But the Holy Spirit will move and change lives in spite of us. And that's how the Holy Spirit works, and that's how we see it working. When the Holy Spirit fills you up to total overflow, you spill into others, that's weird, and that is okay. For all the followers of Christ in this room, I'm gonna ask you, are you in a posture to let the Holy Spirit work in and through you? Or did you put a lid on your cup? It's fine. It's good. I'm, I'm, I'm about halfway. I'm good. Are you letting the Holy Spirit work through you? Are you being obedient to the calling of the Holy Spirit in your life, or are you rationalizing it away? When you hit a speed bump in life, is your cup 
spilling out with the, with the Holy Spirit? Or is that greed? Is that pride? What is it? Is it anger? What is spilling out of your cup when you hit a bump? God wants in all of his people for the Holy Spirit to move and for lives to be changed. So for anyone in this room who does not have a relationship with Jesus, who does not have this spirit, this power inside of them, maybe the spirit's moving in your life today. Maybe it's been moving in your life for a while and everything we've been saying today is weird and you have some questions and that's okay. Maybe today is the day that you need to make a, make a decision to receive that spirit. Maybe it is time to have a relationship with Jesus, to let that power work in and through you. Maybe you just want to ask more questions about what that is. We would love to talk with you about that. But for everyone, no matter where you are on that spectrum, God wants all of his people to go through life knowing that they are filled with this power. They are filled with this spirit and there is nothing that can match that. Just think about what a church full of spirit-filled people could accomplish. Just think what a world of churches full of spirit-filled people could accomplish. Anything. That's what the answer is because it's not on us. It is because of the spirit. So just think, Am I letting the Spirit fill me up so that I can overflow? Am I trying to overflow out of an empty cup? Where am I? Where am I? But just know, God wants to work in and through you, not because of you, but because of his Spirit. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you have um, loved us enough to have a relationship with us. God, that you have filled us with your spirit, that you have filled us with your power, and that we can rest in that, that we don't need to do anything of our own strength, but that we can rely on you. God, that that exact same power that was, that was illustrated at Pentecost is inside of anyone who is a follower of you. And so, God, I thank you for that. I pray for anybody in this room who may be struggling with whether or not to have a relationship with you, God, I pray that you would just be with them, God, that you would just speak to them through your spirit. God, for anybody in this room who is struggling with letting the spirit work through them, God, I pray that you would just open up the floodgates, put people in their lives to speak that truth into them. God, that we would surround everyone as a church, as we all seek to be obedient, spirit-filled followers of you. And I pray all these things in your son's name. Amen.